It's, um, it is an honor to be, uh, to be here with you this morning. I, I wanted to say, first of all, uh, just want to let you know <clears throat> that our family is doing well. Uh, Pam and Andrew and I are sheltering at home. Uh, Aaron and Hannah Mae and Asaph are sheltering in their home, but they're also doing well. Our days are filled with Zoom calls and um, phone calls and emails and just doing life together. Uh, our travel schedule went from insane to non-existent overnight. Uh, I mean, it really is mind-boggling just how radically different life is and what seems to be almost overnight. The impact has just been huge. But I do want to say that while without question there are, are difficulties and challenges related to this new normal, uh, I am also deeply confident that God is up to something powerful. Um, a friend shared a couple of quotes with me recently. Uh, first of all, he said, um, scarcity brings clarity. And then secondly, catastrophe resets everything. What he was saying is that when we have an abundance of resources, uh, luxury, we have the luxury of doing things that we can do. Um, but when there is scarcity, it has a way of focusing in on that which is truly essential. Uh, we have to ask the question, what, are, what should we really be about? What, is, what am I to be about personally? What, what about our family? And certainly, what about our church? I mean, I really believe this can be a reset moment. Individually, families, churches all over the nation um, can, can take this opportunity to ask the Lord, help us to see what you see. Uh, examine our hearts. Examine our communities, our, our churches. Um, and lead us to a place of clarity about what you have called us to be and do under the leadership of your Holy Spirit. Uh, may we all have the courage in these days to step into this opportunity, to, to seize this opportunity, to let God bring us clarity and to reset our lives in a way that bring us into alignment uh, with his word and with his spirit. Now, on to the message. Um, I'm going to be reading to you this morning from John 14, verses 1 through 14. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, John 14, 1 through 14. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father uh, but through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verily I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater than these because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I'd like to to share with you this morning, the word I want to share with you, I I think is pretty obviously relevant on on two different levels. First of all, it is Holy Week. This uh, Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week all over the globe, even though we won't do it in person, uh, the church will be celebrating this most holy and most special of weeks. Uh, The word that I just read to you came from the upper room discourse, that time that Jesus had with his disciples in the upper room just hours before he would be arrested, uh, eventually crucified, and ultimately raised from the dead in that glorious day of resurrection. But there's also an obvious connection with this COVID-19 crisis that we're in right now. Um, one of the, re- you know, the reason I'm coming to you by live stream instead of live is because of what's going on around us. And um, it is, you know, the words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago are just as relevant for us today. So please hear these words this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled. They immediately connect to our current reality. But let's go back first 2,000 years ago. A small band of disciples and their leaders entered Jerusalem to great fanfare and adulation. Uh, Throngs of people crowded around them and uh, shouted praises and waved palm leaves, uh, the national symbol of independence. They believed that a Messiah had arrived that would rule over them in an earthly kingdom. I mean, it was a heady moment for a group of men who had spent most of their lives fishing. Uh, They were key players in something that was bigger than they could ever have imagined. But just a few hours later, a few days later, these same men were huddled with this same leader in a very small room somewhere in Jerusalem where he revealed to them that he would not be an earthly king, uh, ruling over an earthly empire, Uh, revealing to him, in fact, that he was going to lay down his life that he was going to a place that they could not yet go and that one of them would betray them, betray him, that another would deny him three times, Peter, the rock. All of this completely turned their world upside down almost overnight. They had gone from this place of great hope and promise and victory to suddenly, uh, it must have seemed like their world was completely turned upside down. And it was into that chaos that Jesus spoke these words, do not let your hearts be troubled. The Greek word that's translated trouble here in various places, it's the word terasso, and in other places it's translated disturbed or stirred up or shaken, in turmoil, confused or frightened. It's a word we use when the future is uncertain. Uh, when unexpected circumstances shake the very ground on which we stand. And we realize that all of our carefully laid plans are immediately meaningless. Sound familiar to anyone? 
The very fact that Jesus spoke these words betrays the reality that their hearts were troubled. Uh, You don't have to say such things when uh, the hearts of those who are with you are at peace. You only speak those words when trouble is near. But I do want you to notice a couple of things right off the bat. First of all, Jesus didn't condemn them for having troubled hearts. In fact, he understood them. John had said twice in the previous chapters while they were in this same setting that Jesus' heart had been troubled. Jesus' heart was troubled as he thought about the path that he would soon be walking. He understood the pain that he would go through. He understood what the, that he was about to encounter darkness like he had never experienced in his life as he took on the sins of the world and as, he was, and as his father, for the first time in eternity, turned his eyes away from him and Jesus knew that in that moment he would be all alone for the first time in eternity. Jesus' heart was also troubled. And yet it's powerful to me that in this moment where Jesus had every reason to focus on his own needs, Jesus spent all of his time loving, caring for, and preparing his disciples for what was coming. Uh, I want to say this morning that um, these words that Jesus spoke are not a harsh command, but a gracious invitation. It's natural as Christians uh, to wonder if God is disappointed with us when we are wrestling with fear or anxiety or trouble. But as a writer of Hebrews put it, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like us in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. That he might make atonement for the sins of his people because he himself suffered when he was tempted He is able to help those who are being tempted. So I just want to say to you today that if you're battling fear and anxiety or frustration in these moments right now, don't think for a second that Jesus is standing back, shaking his head in disappointment. Jesus is ready to come alongside you right where you are and lift you to the very throne of heaven. Second, I want you to see that Jesus gave them a choice. There's a clear choice here. Now, they had no control whatsoever on the circumstances. They they couldn't control what had happened to them any more than we can control this current crisis that we're in. Uh, And and it was only natural that their initial response to that was trouble. But Jesus was saying to them that while you can't control your circumstances, you do control your response to it. What will you do with this trouble? Will you be trapped in it? Will you be paralyzed by it? Will you be overwhelmed by it? Or will you allow the Lord to come into it with you and to lead you into a place of peace and security and strength, even though the circumstances around us do not change? I mean, I love that Jesus didn't merely say, stop that. Don't you love it when your friends do that? When they just tell you to stop whatever it is that you're doing that's uh, that's troubling you? Uh, Jesus did say stop that, but he also gave them five solid reasons they could choose to, to, uh, to walk in a place of victory even in the midst of that trial. The first thing he says to them is, trust in God 
trust also in me. Jesus was acknowledging that when we face trouble, we need a foundation on which to stand. Uh, We need to find solid ground. You know, unfortunately, what tends to happen is that when trouble comes, it exposes the fact that the ground we're standing on is not solid ground. It It will expose whatever foundation is truly there. And if that foundation is not solid, we will immediately know that we are standing not on rock, but on sifting, shifting sand. You see, we all put our trust in something. Uh, it may be a person, it may be a job, it may be money, uh, it may be something in this world. Uh, we discover very quickly when those things are taken from us that they were never uh, worthy to be the foundation of our very lives. I believe Pastor Derek has uh, spoken to you along these lines recently. So I simply just want to say this this morning. I want to remind us that we do have such a foundation. When David, King David, before he was a king, was being hounded by men who wanted to destroy him, Jesus, uh, David cried out in Psalm 62, one of my favorite psalms, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Will, would, would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to, uh, to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouth they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Secondly, Jesus said to his disciples, you have a future hope. In my father's house, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me. There's no question whatsoever, but that Jesus was speaking here about heaven. It was a place that already existed, a place that he would go to and prepare that we might one day be with him in that place. I think one of the most challenging aspects of trouble is that it often causes us to lose perspective. Uh, Before long, we can begin to believe that there's nothing greater than the circumstances that we're in. Uh, It it takes on a life of its own. I mean, it certainly seems that for many, that's what this crisis is doing. It's, It's causing us to lose perspective to the whole. In that moment, we desperately need to step back and see the bigger picture. Paul says to us in Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The greatest perspective we can find in any time of trouble is the perspective of heaven, of eternity. And I just wanna say to you, I love these words of C.S. Lewis. He says, it's not pie in the sky if it's real. We're not talking about something that's not real, that's, that's a fantasy that can distract us from our troubled thoughts. We're talking about a real place, a real future, a real eternity. And when we understand the reality of that, it gives us the perspective to keep the current crisis it's small and in its rightful place. And then Jesus says to them, you know the way. 
Jesus said, you know the place where I'm going, to which Thomas, perhaps the most honest of all the disciples, said, Jesus, what are you talking about? We don't know where you're going, much less how to get there. Jesus responded to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. D.A. Carson says, Jesus is the way to God because he is the truth of God and he is the life of God. When we come face to face with uncertainty or danger, our greatest instinct is to find a way out. I mean, we can face almost anything if we have a plan, if we know where we need to go and, and know the way to get there. Jesus is saying to us that when we find ourselves in a place of darkness, pain, or confusion, we have to resist the temptation to find our own way out. Instead, he invites us to come to him and to trust that he will lead us in the journey. Quite frankly, we'd all prefer a map. We'd all prefer to be able to see it all laid out before us. We thrive on the notion that somehow we are in control. But this thing we call Christianity is not best described as a roadmap for life. It is a relationship with a person who is the way, the truth, and the life. And then Jesus says, you will be doing what I have been doing. Now, I gotta be honest with you. You know, the first three are exactly what we would have expected Jesus to say. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you would clearly say to those whose hearts are troubled. But this fourth one seems strange at first glance. In the midst of their trouble and turmoil, Jesus reminds them that they have a mission. They have a work to do. And that that work to, is to do the very things that he has been doing. Now, why would Jesus suddenly turn their attention to the mission? How is that comforting? I mean, how was Jesus comforting his disciples by getting their focus on the mission? I believe that's because a troubled heart very quickly turns inward. And an inward heart will eventually lead us in a downward spiral until we become completely obsessed with ourselves and our own needs and situation. A missional heart, on the other hand, is a heart that's turned out. And a heart that turned out can deliver us from that downward spiral and give us purpose in the moment. Uh, now, it's fair to ask, what might that look like right now? Because, I mean, especially now that we've all just been given this order to shelter at home, I mean, uh, how do we keep doing what, we're, what Jesus was doing when we're supposed to be apart from each other and, and home by ourselves? Uh, let me just say, let me say this in the, in the big sense. There is plenty that we can and should, that we can be doing right now. And we don't have to be defiant to do it. All we have to do is be creative or more or even better to let the spirit lead us out of the box that we've typically thought about when it comes to the church and lead us into new and creative ways of understanding what it means not to go to church but to be the church. I wanna tell you that you can comfort one another just as Jesus was comforting his disciples that evening. Um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus 
Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Uh, You can pick up the phone. You can can do a FaceTime call. Uh, you You can reach out to each other in the midst of this time. You can pray for one another. You can encourage one another. You can stand together even though we can't physically be together at this current moment. Uh, Let me also say that this is an incredible time to return the essential mission of the church uh, away from just the organized church back where it was meant to be in ordinary everyday parts of our lives. I'm talking here about discipleship. I mean, the essential mission of the church is not all the programs that we do, but it is ultimately discipleship. And let me tell you that, that you can do discipleship right where you are. First of all, you can do it in your home if you're a family. If you're sheltering together. You know, discipleship was never meant to be put solely on the church uh, for for the church to be responsible, to disciple our kids, to disciple one another. Uh, we We can take this opportunity to recover something that was never meant to be completely relinquished to the church in the first place. Uh, There are ways that you can do that even outside your home. Our son, Andrew, uh, has been meeting recently, and Aaron, Aaron and Andrew have been meeting with all of their cousins in a Zoom call once a week. And, and, and they, you know, they're connecting with each other, but they're talking about God things. They're encouraging one another. They're challenging one another to walk in genuine relationship with Jesus Christ in these days. There's discipleship happening there. Um, you know, there are things that we can still do in our neighborhoods. Uh, when I was um, in quarantine after my trip to Egypt, Pam went around our neighborhood and just put notes on the door that just said, hey, I just want you to know, here's my phone number. And if there's anything you need, if there's anything I can pray with you about or anything I can do to help you, just give us a call. Uh, We were out a few days ago walking in the neighborhood and we bumped into someone, well, we didn't literally bump into someone. We kept our six foot distance, but we got into this conversation for probably 15 minutes. This is awesome conversation. People want to talk. People are are anxious to talk and they, they they wanna talk about the big things of life. I mean, even in chat rooms, um, I'm gonna have to confess something here. One of those non-essential things that probably has had too much of my attention over the years has been uh, Georgia football and recruiting sites and those kinds of things. But, you know, we've got a a lot of time these days. And so I I was going there the other day and it was fascinating to me that on this uh, recruiting website, there were these men that were talking about what it was like to go through this crisis. They were asking the big questions. People were saying, would you please pray for me? And on this chat room, others were engaging and saying, yes, brother, I am gonna pray for you. And I want you to know where the answer is. I mean, we can do evangelism right now in chat rooms and places like that. Uh, a friend sent a letter, uh, it's now been a few weeks ago, that he said, you know, I've been thinking about writing this letter for years. He sent it to all of his family members, all of his friends, and in it he said things to them that he had been longing to say for years, but it was this moment that finally gave him the courage to put it all in writing and send it out. And he closed that letter with saying this, if any of you don't yet know Jesus, 
or any of you have strayed away from him in your walk with him, please don't hesitate to give me a call. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. These are the kinds of things we can do if we'll let the spirit lead us out of our boxes and into creative ways of doing what he always asks us to do. Lastly, Jesus said, ask me for anything. Ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. Now, uh, we're not gonna get into the controversy of this scripture. It is a, it's a controversial verse uh, because uh, we know that this was not meant to be a blank check where we could literally pray for anything and Jesus would give it to us. I wanna remind you of, of two very important things. First of all, there is the context. Jesus didn't just say this in a blank uh, environment that was meant to be a principle for any time in all situations. He was speaking these words specifically in the context of his disciples who were troubled and who had just been told, in spite of your trouble, I want you to do what I've been doing. And so Jesus was, I think, specifically speaking to those things. He's saying, whatever you need in the midst of your trouble, whatever you need in this, uh, uh, this call to do what I've been doing, ask me and I will give it to you. And secondly, there are the conditions. Jesus said, ask it in my name. Anything that you ask in my name, please understand that doesn't simply mean that we tag uh, those three words in the, the, at the end of our prayer in, the na- in Jesus' name. Jesus was saying, pray in a way that is consistent with my character. Pray in a way that is consistent with my will. Pray in a way that draws you into alignment with what I'm doing and with what I'm about. In that place, ask me anything you need and I'll give it to you. I love what N.T. Wright says in the end about those words. Praying in Jesus' name then means that as we get to know who Jesus is, so we find ourselves drawn into his life and love and sense of purpose. We will then begin to see what needs doing, what we should be aiming at within our sphere of possibilities and what resources we need to do it. When we ask then, it will be in Jesus' name and to his glory and through that to the glory of the Father himself. Beloved, where is your heart troubled today? I wanna encourage you this morning to put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in God who is a sure foundation. Remember your future. Remember your inheritance and let it put everything in this world in its proper place of perspective. Resist the temptation to find your own way and turn to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Reclaim your sense of purpose. Let God lead you into a place of rediscovering what is essential in your own life, for your family, yes, even for our church and don't hesitate to ask him for what you need he is a faithful and merciful high priest god bless you it's been great to be with you this morning let me turn it back over to Derek.